0: Okay, well in our study in the book of Isaiah, we have deliberately focused our attention on the character of God, on his attributes, and um, uh, all the things about God that we can discover and find in Isaiah. And then the fun part has been then seeing... Um, uh, how a lot of that is fulfilled or reflected in the life of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And it really has been a study that I hope you come away with every week as you've your eyes on who God is, um, just worshiping Him and, and being able to say how great is our God. Um, so far we have seen um, if you remember, if you've been with us from the beginning, that the word of the Lord stands forever. It's truth, and it's unchanging. Whatever God speaks, it is. It comes to pass. He does not fail falter or fail the word the promises they're true and throughout the generations we have seen this we have proven that his word is true and stands forever and the scripture was Isaiah 40 verse 8 that said the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God stands forever And you know, really, that's why we're here this evening. That's why we have this in our hands, right, sisters? Because we believe this is the Word of God. We believe it. We put our faith in it. We walk in it. We stand upon it. And we know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Jesus, He was in the beginning with God, oh, I love that one. And then uh, the follow next week, we saw that He is the holy and exalted One, and that He is worthy of all of our praise. I loved just the vision that Isaiah um, was given of God when he saw Him there um, seated um, at the you know at the throne, and it says that. Um, okay, let me think. The train of his robe filled the temple, yes. And he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And over and over again, God makes mention in the book of Israel, I mean, Isaiah, that he is the holy one, the holy God of God of Israel. If you, um, some of you maybe paid attention to that during that week. Um, There's over 55 verses that talk about the holiness of God in the book of Isaiah. And we know that not only is God holy, but he has made us holy. And now we're acceptable through Christ. And now we are called to live holy lives, set apart for God, pleasing God, that our lives will be that offering of worship. that um, just magnifies the Lord and that he's worthy of our praise. And then we had a week where we just focused our attention on Emmanuel. That means God with us and that God came near and it was miraculous when he did that. Isaiah 7.14 was the, the main scripture and it said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel and Jesus dwelt among men and they got to see him with their own eyes and then God gave another miraculous sign and that is he gave us his Holy Spirit a sign a covenant that he is with us not only with us but he is now in us and moves through us and if you ever lose the awe of that reality oh I just hope you never do. I mean, we are living, breathing miracles, that we have the Spirit of God in us. It just blows my mind, Emmanuel. And then we took a week to set our attention on the fact that God is our living water, and our Debbie, you know, she was like, oh, hey, y'all, whatever you want to say for that. But get your attention and listen. That um, This is Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, that everyone who thirsts, come... To the waters. And he goes on to say, Listen carefully to me and eat and drink what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. A call to partake of living water. And we ladies are invited to drink deeply of Christ, the only one we know that can satisfy our thirst. And then this week, it's the everlasting light the everlasting light. And we know from 1 John 1.5 that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. You know, I love that the very first words recorded in Scripture that God spoke at creation were, Let there be light. Just imagine that moment. It was, the earth was formless, it was void, it says darkness hovered over the depths and the seas, and then God said, let there be light. I cannot even imagine what that moment was like. And he created the sun for light by day and the moon for light by night. And he placed them in the vast sky. I wanted to get like this really great image of that behind us for you to just be able to behold, but um, it didn't make it happen, but just, you know, we're just, do we ever get tired Of looking up in the sky and being fascinated and in awe of the sun and the light. You know, every morning without fail, the sun rises in all of its brilliance. And every evening the sun sets before our eyes. You know, and what do we do? I mean, you watch people naturally stop and pause to take note of a sunset, don't they? Everywhere you go, you know, especially if you're outside, people st- I love going down to the ocean for a sunset and just seeing everyone wants to be there, and they're just looking up and beholding the beauty of a sunset. We schedule walks around them. We schedule romantic dinners around sunsets. For those of you who are disciplined, and there are some in this room, you wake up to the dawning light and the beauty of that. I have to say that's rare for me. We enjoy our sunny days, don't we? We love to go outdoors. We're thankful for all the benefits of the sunshine, It's warmth and, and the great tan for some of us that we like to have. And it gives us energy. And you know it's a proven fact that it helps us to, to feel happy. It helps us not to be depressed it it gives us vitamin b that we need for our bones i mean all these benefits of the sun and ultimately god's heart is that we would see him through creation and worship him alone i love isaiah 45 verses 5 through 7 isaiah 45 5 through 7 You studied this this week. It says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There's no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know, ladies, listen, from the rising of the sun to its setting, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And the reality is, without the sun, there would be no vegetation to feed animals or human beings. We would have no precipitation um, of water, and the earth would dry up, and and there would be no heat to sustain, sustain us, and we would all freeze. I mean, we would not exist without the sun that God has created. And isn't that so symbolic of what life is without the Son of God? So many things that parallel there. A few of them, we we are spiritually starving to death. Those without the light, they're barren, they're dry, they're cold, they're lonely. They lack happiness. They lack reason for existence. They're blind, and ultimately they're dead in darkness. You know, honestly, sometimes I forget what it must be like for people walking in spiritual darkness. You know, I was saved at 10 years of age. So I've walked with the Lord for 40 years now. And sometimes it makes me sad because I'm like, in the sense of like, I don't, do I have that burden? Do I really realize that people around me are walking in darkness because I'm just walking in light all the time? Um, But I know some of you, maybe there were years where you walked in darkness and so, or, or, you know, not that long ago, um, you were walking in darkness. And so you, you know well the miracle of that moment from death to life, from darkness to light. And we need that burden for the lost and that we not forget how God sees the world, that it's dark. It needs him. It needs the light. And that we would be praying for those co-workers and those family members and those who still are walking around blind and spiritually dead. We need to point them to the light. And that's what Isaiah was doing. He was courageous and bold enough to fulfill his calling to point Jesus to the light. That there was coming a day And if you're in Isaiah and you want to turn to chapter 9-2, we'll kind of cover a few verses throughout Isaiah that talk about light. But Isaiah 9-2, and this is what Isaiah prophesied concerning the light. He said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. A day was coming when the light of the world would be manifested through Jesus Christ. But you know what gets me, that kind of just boggles my mind, is um, just the reality that the everlasting light had always been with the children of Israel. From the very beginning, the everlasting light was always there trying to get their attention, to look up, see God in all his glory. Um, but most of them, they just didn't see it. They didn't see it. Let's, let me talk about a few of them for a moment. I mean, Think about in Genesis, after that devastating flood brought on by darkness and wickedness of men, when all humanity was washed away except for Noah and his family. And what did God do? He places a rainbow in the sky. Well, what makes a rainbow? It's when sunlight passes through raindrops at a particular angle. So it takes light in order to make the rainbow. So God was shining down his light, his glory, and telling us that every time we look up in the sky and we see a rainbow, it reminds us of his mercy and his love and his promise to never again flood the earth. So we see the everlasting light in the rainbow. Well, God also shined his light in the book of Exodus, when God got Moses' attention through the burning bush, of all things, right? And so Moses, he's he's out there in the wilderness, and he sees the light of the fire blazing a bush, but the bush isn't burning, and he goes over to check it out. He draws near to see what's going on, and God speaks. And God calls Moses at that time and tells him, Moses, I've called you to go and free my people. And I am that I am. But in the fire, fire creates light. And so once again, we see the everlasting light being shown to God's people. And what about the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night in Exodus chapter 13? Continually with the children of Israel during the 40 years where they walked around in the wilderness... The cloud, it was there to protect them from the scorching desert sunlight during the day. And then that pillar of fire lit up the darkness so that they could travel at night. But it just wasn't a cloud and fire. It was the Lord himself. He tells us that. It says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He was protecting them. He was revealing once again, I am here. I am the light. My presence is with you. And then I think about Moses when he went up on the mountain to spend 40 days in the presence of God. Can you only imagine? And then when he finally climbed down the mountain, his face was aglow. It was lit up from being in the presence of God, so lit up, in fact, that the people were afraid of him. They feared him. And just knowing Moses has been in the presence of God, his face is shining. And we're told in Scripture that Moses covered his face as the the shine was dimly fading, fading, fading away. But what a picture, again, of the everlasting light and God saying, I will never fade. I will never become dim. I am I shine brightly, I'm everlasting. It's just beautiful. He just travels throughout history with them, trying to get their attention. I think of another one um, would be on um, the seven lampstands that were to be a part of the tabernacle. And we know that the tabernacle represented the presence, the dwelling place of God. And the priests were commanded to continually keep those lamps burning Day and night, they were to never go out. And, of course, it's symbolic, once again, of the everlasting light, the presence of God. And we could go on and on. And for those of you that these kind of things catch your, you know, you get kind of excited about it, you know, look and discover on your own. It's just beautiful. It's so fun. But the point is the light of God was always with them. And even in their stubbornness and rebellion, And when they chose to walk in darkness rather than light, although he had to many times discipline them, they had to endure pain and affliction and consequences to their sin, he was still relentless in shining his love upon them. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. I think you're there. I got to turn there. And let's look at verse 1. It says, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, "Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And God's promise was fulfilled. We know it was hundreds of years later, but God, his word stands forever, it's true, and the promise was fulfilled, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and really the light literally dawned, we're told in scripture. I love that picture, that when Jesus came, light dawned. You know, at this part of the story when 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 what we what we want to read, okay? Okay, the fulfillment came, Jesus was born, the light's here. The people see the light and you know what we want we want we want to see them, you know, Running to the light and believing in the light and walking in him and living happily ever after for all eternity in the light of the Lord. Do you feel that way? That's how I feel. I want the story to end that way. But not so. And not today. But we do know there is coming a day, don't we, ladies? A day in the future when it really will end happily ever after. When God... Um, after he comes and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And in fact, we've read in the verse in our study this week in Revelations chapter twenty-one, twenty-three that in the new holy city there will be no temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb, they are its temple. And the city will have no need of sun or moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminates it. The Lamb is its light. Oh, I cannot wait for that day. I cannot wait for that day. But for now, for now, we are in a world still full of darkness. And although the light of Jesus came, most people have rejected him. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. How many of you, when you were walking in darkness, had moments when you did see God's light? Maybe it wasn't a family member, or a friend, or some encounter you had, or maybe you'd gone to church, or you'd heard a message, or someone had shared the gospel with you, but you resisted and you ran. Anyone out there that that was you? Yeah. Saw the light, resisted, ran the other way. (laughs) You know, there really is like this thick, dark deception from Satan that is everywhere. It's just permeating our world. We feel it. We see it. And the reality is we look around and we're like, how come they can't see it? You know, they can't see the deception. They can't see what's really going on. And in fact, 2 Corinthians 11.14 tells us that no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He's deceptive. And we are in a spiritual battle. And even when some people do catch that glimpse of the light, Satan's goal is always to blind their minds so that they do not believe. And we need to be aware of that and recognize that. Be praying, women. Being aware of the enemy's tactics. But aren't you so grateful for God's relentless love and light? I know I am, that it is everlasting. It's always shining and pointing people to God. So there's always hope for the unbeliever. And we need to not stop praying. You know, all of us here today, we need to also remember to not stop giving thanks for what we have, that we are saved by grace that we are walking in light. We're free from the bondage. Our our eyes have been opened up by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42. I love this chapter. So much good stuff in it. Let's look at a few things. Isaiah 42, beginning in verse 1. Behold, again, we see that it's another word like ho, you know, pay attention. Behold, focus, look, take a good look. He says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth, and he will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastland shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Speaking of, this is God speaking to Jesus prophetically. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, and to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise-carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord, it goes on to say later in the chapter, sing to the Lord a new song and to give praise to him. Amen? Hallelujah. May we always give praise and thank the Lord for opening our blind eyes that you, ladies, are called daughters of light and daughters of the day. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5. Daughters of light and daughters of the day. And I love the picture of Jesus in the text of Isaiah chapter 42. I want to point out a couple things. First, when I, when I looked at that, you see that he came to the world in meekness. And we've talked about meekness if you're here on Sunday mornings as we've been going through the Beatitudes and blessed are the meek. Jesus came to the world in meekness. It was power under control. I love what it says. Basically, he wasn't yelling. He wasn't on the corner screaming at people that they were going to hell. That wasn't our Jesus telling them to repent. No, his words had authority. And he preached the gospel message, but he spoke it in love and in truth and seasoned with grace. And I love that it says that he doesn't give up on people. A bruised reed he will not break. He doesn't give up on people no matter how useless or beyond repair they are or beyond the repair of what others think of them. Jesus can mend the broken reed the bent over the fragile the broken the damaged I think all of us I can identify with this truth we've experienced that in our own lives to one facet or another everyone in here has a god story we've had times in our life where we've been broken bent and we've experienced his loving care and that gentle touch and that, the healing balm of his hand upon us, not only to heal us physically, but emotionally, spiritually. There's a friend of mine. Um, she's a bruised reed right now. And life has dealt her some crushing blows, and my heart aches for her. And I know, I know, I can see it in her that she feels like she's about to break, that she cannot take it anymore, and that she's beyond repair, or she thinks what other people think as they look at her. Don't we do that? An enemy gets us all tripped up in that, you know? They see me all bent over, (laughs) ready to, you know, fall apart. And I was just trying to encourage her the other day that God sees and his hand is upon her and he will strengthen her and help her and heal her. And to be of good courage and not give up. So often we want to give up. We need to persevere. We need to have that hope. And that even in her perused state that God wanted to use her for his glory. Because often when we're that bruised reed, we think, you know, we, we tend to just pull back and hide out. Because I'm unusable. I'm unfixable. Which is such a lie from the enemy. And so I want to encourage you the same way. If there are still areas of your life where you're a bruised reed, know that God is with you and he sees and he moves and he works and he brings healing and restoration to your life he can make beautiful music from the brute come from a bruised reed as he puts his strength in it and then i love the next statement and a smoking flax he will not quench jesus can fan in a flame the smoldering wick And if we're honest, there are times, even in our own lives, where we resemble far more smoke than fire. Can I get an amen? (laughs) So many times I feel just like I'm just smoking up the place. Sometimes we lack that vibrant spiritual life and we're battling dryness and lacking joy and, and uh, you know, we just feel like we're, we're fading some. But Jesus has given us the source that we need, the oil supply, and it's his Holy Spirit that can refresh us and renew us and keep our lights burning brightly for him. All we have to do is be faithful to go to the source and say, Lord, fill me up. I need more of you. You know, I think of the parable the, par- the parable about the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five, it says, were foolish because they took the lamps, but they didn't take any oil with them. But the five wise women took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And so, when the bridegroom delayed and they got tired, they all fell asleep. And then at midnight, there was a cry heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And so they all rose up, and they're trimming their lamps. And then the foolish five say to the wise, Wait, give us some of your oil, because our lamps are dimming. They're going to run out. But the wise five said, No, no. You go. You deal with it. Go buy yourself some oil. So they run off to go get their oil, and while they're gone, the bridegroom comes. They miss out. It's too late. It's a heavy, heavy parable. But ladies, we have His Spirit in us all the time. He's with us. But we need to always be prepared with a supply for everything that He's going to call us to. Because we can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. For every circumstance, we don't know what our... We plan out our days and they never stay the way we think they're going to be. Right? (laughs) We've got to be prepared for those crisis moments. We have to be prepared for when the phone calls and somebody needs you in their moment of need. We need to be prepared for life. And so we have to always be going to that source and having the Holy Spirit fill us and empower us so that we can shine brightly and impact those He brings in our lives. And then it said... He will bring forth justice for truth. Amen. We cannot wait for that day. And he will not fail nor be discouraged. I love that. Jesus will not fail and he will not be discouraged. Jesus completed his mission. He came with the light of the gospel. He went to the cross. He experienced darkness. He experienced all the sins of the world placed upon him. It says, and it's radical to think about, that for three hours while he was on that cross, that it was complete darkness. Complete darkness covered the earth. Boy, talk about God getting man's attention. And more than that, God hid the face, his face, from his son. We know that. Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But it was through Christ's death and then the resurrection that the light of salvation would dawn in the heart of every believer. Jesus finished the mission. He did not fail. He did not give up. He was not discouraged. Just so in awe of that supernatural miracle of his light dawning in our hearts. That the everlasting light is not only with us but in us. We are light in the Lord. And that exhortation at the beginning of the study, Isaiah 2.9, So come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And that's beautiful enough, that call, that cry to come. But for us as believers, it's, it's far more than that. Because Ephesians 5.8 says that we are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. So in other words, don't just come and walk in the light. You are light in the Lord. So, walk as children of light. This is our calling. This is who we are in Christ. And so, we need to take it seriously. We got to be wise women in in how we walk. We need to be sober and vigilant. We need to walk in wisdom. We need to be aware of the times and the seasons. Walk in light. You are light. And so, what I love about that, I don't need to give you a list of things you shouldn't be walking in that would be dark. You know, because you're women of, of light. And so, the Holy Spirit, when you start tripsing over in a place that's dimly lit or dark, His Spirit will tell you, He'll convict you. I don't need to do that. The Holy Spirit does that. Pay attention. Walk in wisdom, walk in light. And as daughters of the light, what I love, love, love is that we don't run from light. The world, because they're darkness, they run. They don't want their deeds exposed. But don't you love the fact that you find yourself running to light? I want to be exposed. I'm not afraid to be exposed before the Lord. The psalmist said, search me, know my heart, see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the path everlasting. That's the beauty of us being children of light. We, we gravitate to the light. We want the light. It's where we belong. It's who we are. Paul prays for us that our eyes would be enlightened. Make that your prayer. That you would see him more clearly. I love that old worship song, um, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. We want to see Jesus. You know, we need his enlightenment. And look back on verse 6, or ahead at verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will hold your hand. I will give you I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. And what a fascinating and powerful picture we see here because this is God the Father making a promise to his son that when he came to earth and took on human form, that God the Father would help him fulfill his calling he assured Jesus, I have called you, I will help you, I will hold your hand. Have you ever just pondered that? And then thought about it? Do, do you see it in Scripture? I hope you do. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in the Gospels. When he was baptized, what happened? The sky parts, a dove appears from heaven. God says, you know, he's pleased with the sun. And that the the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the helper to help him, to empower him. What about after 40 days of fasting and then being driven into the desert to be tempted by Satan in the wilderness? Can you imagine at the end of that, in Jesus' humanity, the state he was in? All alone, but not all alone. And what does God do? He sends his angels to come and minister to Jesus and to provide the water and the food and, and, and bring him back to a place of, of health in that. He helped him. There are many times when you read in the Gospels and, and Jesus' life is in danger and there's crowds around and the Pharisees and they're planning to kill him and you know, there's a couple times where it, it says like they reach out, they want to grab him and take him, and then he's just gone They can't find him. He's just, God intervened. You know that? I just find that fascinating. Do you disappear and just show up somewhere else? I mean, whatever it was, they couldn't put their hands on him. Till the appointed time, God was always with Jesus, helping him, holding him. Uh. And then, of course, we see there were times in Jesus' humanity when he was tired and weak from ministry and travel. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a pillow to lay his head upon. For three years, he's just going around doing ministry, and God the Father would meet him in his need and restore his strength and empower him to heal and to work the miracles and to shine as the light. And God's promise is to us too. Do you believe that? Do you understand that? You are his daughters, his children. He has called you. 1 Peter 2 9. 1 Peter 2 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. You are called, and he is going to help you. You know that. You have the Holy Spirit in you. He is your helper. He will not leave you an orphan. The question really is, is are you letting him? Are you letting him? He's there. He's your helper. I think the biggest trip up we have is, are we letting him? Maybe you need to ponder that question this week. Are you letting him? And then he says that he will hold your hand. He held Christ's hand, he holds your hand. That's intimacy. That's assurance. That's safety. That's love. And all over the word, um, God tells um, the children of Israel that that he will uphold them. That he will help them. Isaiah 41.13 is one of my favorites. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. Saying to you, fear not, I will help you. And here's the beautiful picture. I don't know, maybe it's just the way my mind works. But here we have a lot of scriptures that talk about the righteous right hand of God. And it's symbolic of his power and his strength and his protection. And so many times it says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I picture, here's me, I picture God... With his righteous right hand upholding me. Basically, I'm in the palm of his hand. He's carrying me. He's upholding me. And then it says here that then he says, I will hold your right hand. I love that. It's just so, pretend I'm God. I'm not God. Here's He's upholding me, but then he's holding my right hand. And I personally think that there's something we're supposed to see in that because... Our right hand is nothing. It's really powerless. We think're our right hand is our strength, unless you're left-handed. But if you're right-handed, that's your hand of strength. And so really he's saying, "No, give me your little hand of strength, and I'm going to hold it with my left hand. You don't even need my right hand for that. I'm going to hold it. I'm so there for you. I'm so powerful. The strength is with me. So he's got your hand and he's upholding you. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I love that. And it's a promise to you today that I hope you will embrace and believe. That he is calling out to us this evening. Come, walk with me. Come, walk in light. Come, walk in life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the everlasting light. Lord, we give thanks that we are no longer blinded and walking about in spiritual darkness, but we've seen the light, we've believed, and by the grace of God, we're saved. You've rescued us. Lord, may we never take that for granted. And Father, we want to walk As children of light, we want to shine for you brightly. So, Lord, fill us, Lord, even now with more of you. Lord, we recognize our need. That without you, with the oil of your spirit, we try up so quickly. We're just a smoldering little flicker without you. So, Lord, would you come in and pour the oil of your spirit upon us that we would light up our world light up our homes the place where we need to shine the brightest I pray for the women in this room who are in that season of mommyhood where they just need an extra portion of grace to shine their light and Father we thank you that you've always been there from the very beginning, and you're with us now, and you're going to never leave us or forsake us. I thank you for your promise that you will fulfill the calling in us as we walk in your light, and that you will help us. Thank you. We love you. And we take hold of your hand. Thank you, Lord, for that, that beautiful picture of of your intimate love for us and care. And in those times where we're so weak and in need, maybe we're that bruised reed, help us, Lord, to just climb up into the palm of your hand and allow you to uphold us. Help us recognize so often when we're frustrated and crying out for help, but we're not letting you help us. So convict us, show us, reveal yourself more and more to us. And I pray for every woman in here that you would enlighten the understanding of their heart, that they would know you deeply and know you more, know your voice more, see you, hear you, know you. Lord, we just praise you, we thank you. Yeah, now we just bless you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.